Welcome back to the Mono Mono podcast, the podcast that debates hypothetical one-on-one basketball games between current NBA players, retired athletes, fictional characters, celebrities, you name it, we debate it. My name is Adam, and I'm joined here by two of my best friends, Austin and Lauro. It's been a bit of a hiatus for us. Our schedules have been super conflicting from I have to go to a wedding. Austin, I believe, is visiting his mother. Lauro just doesn't like us too much. But how did you guys, uh, how'd you guys enjoy the hiatus? Well, Adam, I had a lovely time with my mother. We went kayaking. I got to watch the sunset, see a bald eagle soar over my head. Unfortunately, I got some really crappy pictures of it because anytime I got too close to it, it flew away. But it was very exhilarating. Brought me back to my time in Alaska in the Eagle Reserve. I missed it. Not a good idea getting close to a bald eagle. I was about to say, how close were you getting to this eagle for it to like know your presence <laughs> <Yeah>. was there? <laughs> I doubt that you scared it off. <laughs> well, I was anything. I was in the water, and the eagle was on top of a tree. And when you kayak closer to it, it then leaves. Once you get in a certain uh, okay. vicinity, you know, mm. I'm I'm floating by, trying to take my picture with my phone very unsuccessfully trying to get the perfect angle and i missed twice i waited too long my timing was poor damn it's rough damn Sorry man to hear it. bald eagles are like when you see them in pictures of in action they seem so epic but then like you see them flying and they don't look as big as you'd like them to look but like up close and personal there's no joke either so i think i've seen one in my time and i was unimpressed but i'm sure if he came face to face with me i'd be very impressed yeah i think you're gonna have to work on that they're they're very impressive <laughs> uh how was your time low what were you up to um my time man i honestly can't remember what i did with my my time <laughs> so i probably had a good time uh no i i just i honestly can't remember what i did last week <laughs> i've been yeah, working around the house i yeah i just assembled a screen door or a sliding screen door for my backyard so now my dog can peer out into the to nature and hear the chicken squawking you guys might actually be able to hear them every now and then during the podcast since I got the screen door right now. Uh, but yeah, I've been just chilling. Yeah, I'm just kind of recovering from that fantasy season. That was a rough there one we, there. Yeah, man. I know last time we talked to the viewers, uh, I was on my way to the playoffs. I believe it was semifinals. I, and uh, I'm so glad to inform everybody that listens to us that I have won the fantasy basketball championship. I defeated our guest, Roger Fortune, and it was a glorious win. Uh, Russell Westbrook, shout out to him. Shout out Steph Curry. Shout out Drew Holiday. You guys held it down. Rudy Gobert. Uh, all you guys, much love. And now you guys can't talk shit to me ever again. That was your one thing that you held against me. And then the look on disgust on both of your faces. And then I, I heard a scandal about collusion with another team in the semis, and I still overcame. And it was just picture perfect moment i just want you to know i have a list of plenty of things queued up to give you crap for over the time i just had a convenient simple one to go to all the time okay well that's the biggest one that you went for and now it's taken off the table my friend it is but i'm adaptable i'm ready for the future yeah at least i now like lauro said before it's kind of like lebron james story all those finals that i made before it just makes a little more weight onto this t- this title. It's just like it was a long time coming. Thank you, Laura, for putting that in perspective. I don't, rem- for me. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> you were a few uh, Roman cokes deep, maybe, or or some some whiskey. I don't care, but the truth comes out when the liquor pours. Austin, just to clear this up, I so I was telling Adam like 
I was like, oh, this is kind of like when like a player wins a championship after like not making it there over and over. And it's like kind of like LeBron. And as soon as I said, I was like, God damn it, I'm going to regret <laughs> yeah. this for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, feel, my life. <laughs> I think it's really more like PJ Brown. So disrespectful. Know? Yeah, one championship as a role player at the end of your career more than LeBron. You're going to have to win like four more now. To Yeah, it's more like JaVale McGee. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a multi-time champion. Yeah, he's I'll take the number yeah, of rings. Maybe JR, oh, JR Smith. There we go. Listen, man, it's just been a long time coming, and it feels phenomenal. I have as many championships as you guys do now and more finals appearances. So yeah, but just more successful. You have one more asterisk championship than we do. Oh, my God. This is not the bubble year. This is the bubble season, man. This is the bubble season. We all had to deal with the bullshit. And guess what? I dealt with it the best out of everybody. So just you just got the luckiest. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> just uh, you literally got the luckiest. Tip your hat to me, and let's uh, let's yeah. just move on. You know, congratulations, <laughs> champ. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, updates for me. I'm, I'm moving to San Diego, ne- closer to my boy Lauro. I'm very excited about that. I'm going to bust his ass and ball a little more often, even though I haven't played, <laughs> and I'm probably rusty as hell downtown san diego so if you see me on the street and you know what i look like holla at me uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but we uh we could turn our gonna post you on the instagram yeah right i'll just post a, <laughs> a big selfie it's like <laughs> watch out san diego <laughs> it's a big warning um, <laughs> but, uh, I guess we'll, we'll turn our attention a little more focused to basketball. The, the playoffs are, are up and running. It's a few games into it. We got the bucks three up over the heat. The Knicks are playing right now on the Hawks. I think the Hawks were up by 14 and half there. And then of course, my beloved Dallas Mavericks stunning the world against the Clippers up 2-0, winning both on the road. To you guys, what was your favorite series? What's the most standout series that you guys are watching? What are your thoughts about it so far? There are three series that I've been watching. One has been really disappointing, and that's Boston versus Brooklyn. I'm just watching them because it's you know it's my team, Boston. But I knew from the beginning they didn't stand a chance, and they are kind of reinforcing that as they play them. Um, the other two series is obviously uh, Clippers Dallas as well. I, I I honestly can't believe that. Luca can do what he's doing pretty much. Like, I don't, I don't think Dallas's team is that good. Clippers have two really good wing defenders and they still can't stop Luca. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And then and an all NBA guard defender in Pat Bev. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I'm watching Phoenix LA cause I'm just hoping LA loses. And I really, I, I was kind of disappointed to see that Phoenix was going to be, or have to play LA in the first round. Cause I really wanted to see Phoenix kind of make it a little further, but yeah, what a, what a bummer of a matchup to finish second in the West, feel good about yourself. And then you end up with the defending champs in the first round. Yeah. I was hoping that they would kind of get a little bit of a, like the ball rolling, get some, um, what's it called? Momentum going, but doesn't seem like they're going to be able to top L.A. We'll, we'll see. They did win the first game. They've been competitive. It's, it's not going to happen with the Chris Paul injury, man. LeBron's already coming into his – yeah, LeBron's coming into his I game feel like Chris again. Paul held up the entire regular season, and then right when the playoffs happened, he collapsed, and his shoulder just went and, like, what do you, what else do you expect from Chris Paul, man? It's tough. Yeah, it's an endless cycle. Yeah. What do you think, Austin? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been solid first round so far. I think – the East really, they've 
stratified into who's going to be there and who's not. And I think there's clearly the Nets are still looking the best by far. Uh, Milwaukee's had a good couple of games first, the Heat, but that's kind of what I've been focusing on is who I really think can get further. And in the West, it's really just a bunch of question marks. And again, I'm just going to keep going back to those Lakers. I think, you know, while they're not playing necessarily the best right now, I just don't see anybody playing particularly well. And I think they're going to have a pretty easy road going forward here. I I really don't think Phoenix has a shot at all uh, in this series. Even if Chris Paul hadn't got hurt, I still think it was uphill battle uh, for them. But what I would say is, you know, one of the nice surprises is is getting to see John Morant really exploding uh, in this Utah series. I'm I'm shocked Memphis won a game. I really didn't think they were going to even come close. And and we've seen Morant really take a step forward uh, in both of these first two games. Uh, And I'm excited to see if he can keep this up. I don't expect Memphis to win another game, um, but if he can keep going for 45 points in games, maybe they'll have a a chance here. You never know. Yeah, no, John Morant's. What stuck out to me with him, honestly, after watching all the few games I have, his patience on the pick and roll is just like light years ahead of where he like his age wise, like to be able to like slowly prod and be able to pick his spots. And if it's not working, we're going to reverse it and go back. It's just it's really amazing to watch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, that that Clippers Mavericks series, the game three tonight. You guys got the Mavericks winning at home? Who do you guys have? I think the Clippers have to take one, at least one of the games at home. I, I can't imagine they're going to get swept. They got a lot to fight for right now. Like, I think they're going to bring the fire. I think they'll but take Paul George says there's nothing to worry about. Well, come on, man. What what a crock of shit. Like, after tanking the last <laughs> two games to make sure they avoid the Lakers until the conference finals, and then saying there's nothing to worry about losing two in a row at your home? like. He just doesn't say the right things at the right times, yeah, honestly. Well, part of it's a the... good look. Dude, but Paul George is – go ahead. Sorry. No, you were going to say something funny. Funny takes precedence over seriousness. <laughs> no, he's just – Paul George is full of shit. I used to love Paul George, but he's been, <laughs> he's been talking a lot of shit and can't back it up, and it's fucking crazy. Like, I can't – he's really done a 180 with me. I can't stand that dude anymore. Wow. I'm all like the like those interviews that he has where he's like, yeah, I just try to get in the zone like Kobe and all this stuff. Like he, he's a flop. He's a flop, and uh, until he proves otherwise, he's going to be known as a flop. Yeah, I mean, uh, to his defense, he he had 28 on like 55 percent shooting, but he was like one of seven from three, so that was not a good look when you have, uh, especially when you're turning down drives and making Porzingis fall, and then later in the game, he's not driving on Porzingis. But what a what an ugly crossover Porzingis fell on that one. I was like, my guy, my guy, what are you doing, bro? He barely moved. He just, like, flinched, and he just fell over. <laughs> well, you know, he can topple in the wind. He's got that high, high level of gravity on him. Center yeah, of gravity. There you go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that this has been the best first-round playoffs I've – I can remember in a long time, like most series are pretty um, competitive except for, I guess, Boston and yeah, <laughs> Bucks and Heat haven't been too competitive. And like, Washington yeah, I guess. But really the play. the fans, bro, after you, you, these players were wanting him back for so long and then they have to tolerate all this disrespect. Like the fact that somebody's spitting on somebody in a COVID time already, like my New York Knicks, I, I love them that the, the energy in the garden is incredible, but you can't be doing that, man. And that's just like I, I was—I I knew they were pretty shitty. Have some fans, but 
I didn't think it would be this bad so early. Yo, it's absolutely nuts, man. I really, I don't understand <laughs> these people that go to these games. Like, there's the story where they, uh, there were some fans that were just talking shit to John Morant's parents, like saying some real nasty stuff. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, we just got the privilege to go back, and now that, now, like, fans are doing this kind of stuff, like, kind of ruining it. Yeah, it's just, players don't deserve that shit. And um, I think, the the league has to really crack down. Like do like I feel like they got to figure out a way, like not just ban the players, but like do something. Like the guy that's yeah, I mean Trey Trey um, like, all that kind uh, of declined to press charges, but it was a possibility. It was uh it was in the realm, and even like yeah. I was scared about. I don't blame Russell Westbrook, but you saw his reaction. Like four or five dudes had to hold him back. He was about to beat that fan's ass, bro. And Russell, I mean, this is like a never-ending story for Russell. He's been targeted by fans so often. And, like, part of it is, like, he is – he does behaviorally during the games. He does, like, talk shit back and stuff like but that. That's but that's to like, the players, you know? Yeah. He doesn't deserve that kind of stuff. Like, and, and, like, these guys would not be doing this if they were on level ground with Russell. Like, Russell would <laughs> absolutely annihilate these people. So, it's just it's, – it's cowardly. It's, like, inappropriate. Yeah. They got to stop it. NBA, if you're listening, we're, we're, yeah, we support seriously. you cracking down on these guys. Russell, <laughs> we support you too. If he ever listens to us, shout out those guys. Yeah, even though you're not winning. <laughs> hey, 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 let's not do that. Let's not do that. He, he, was, he had incredible breaking <laughs> the record, and that's not easy to do. I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen, so shout out Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he's a record-breaking player. Oh my god, not a winning player. Well, on that note, I guess we'll we'll get to a little more chippiness, even though Lauro is the judge for the first matchup. So our first matchup today is going to be Patrick Ewing against Joel Embiid. We're gonna get some of a modern, probably most modern NBA dominant big against probably one of the most underrated centers history's ever seen. Uh, I will be arguing for. Patrick Ewing and my friend Austin will be arguing for Joel Embiid. Laura will be the judge. So before we get into the game, let's go over some of the rules. The game is to 21. Any three-point shot is worth two points. Anything else is worth one point. We're going to be having loser's ball, meaning if one person scores, the other person gets it at the top of the key, making sure everybody can play some defense. We're going to be calling our own fouls, meaning if you think you get fouled, you're going to call it, get the ball back at the top of the key. If you get a steal or a block, you don't got to take it back. You put that shit right back up. And... I guess we're playing outside because most people play outside one-on-ones in the world. I don't know if we've ever specified that. And we have some parameters. The first arguments uh, each person will have will be at most 10 minutes. You can do it a little less if you'd like. Then we'll have some uh, five-minute rebuttals, and then the judge will ask us any wrapped-up questions, and we'll go from there. Uh, And with that said, Austin has elected for me to go first. So I will be arguing Patrick Ewing, why he will be beating Joel Embiid. So Patrick Ewing, uh, hailing from Kingston, Jamaica, a.k.a. Big Pat, a.k.a. Hoya Destroyer, a.k.a. Pat, a.k.a. Bodmon Tings. I mean, I put that on, but I've heard some of my Jamaican friends saying he's the original Bodmon of the New York Knicks, so I'm throwing that in there. Uh, he is... <laughs> I love a.k.a. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Can't leave that out. Some people call him that. Uh, oh, he's a seven-foot flat. With uh, 240 pounds, maybe a little more. That was when he was coming into the league. And uh, close to eight-foot wingspan. We haven't gotten a precise measurement, but I do have a New York Times article back then that did say that he was close to eight foot. There's no way. 
No one's ever had an eight foot wingspan. Yeah, no, he's like seven eleven wingspan. Yeah, I'll send you the article now. Uh, I, I'm anyway. telling you, the article is incorrect. <laughs> okay, Austin knows better than the New York Times research. Anyway, so in that research, he also mentions that he has a thirteen and a half shoe size, which for a man for his size apparently is small, which makes him very nimble on his feet, better than uh, a other big man. Again, it's in the article. I will let you read it. Uh, okay, so a seven foot man has a size thirteen and a half shoe and an eight foot wingspan. What are you? Okay, come on. The article speaks for its craziness itself. I'm a size 12. I'm six feet tall. <laughs> exactly. That's why they say he has a, quite a small foot feet. So that helps him with his footwork. I'm not I'm, I'm not making things up here, brother. So that being said, he's an 11 time all star, seven time all NBA and three time all defense. And I found a little uh, fun fact. He's third in all time in games with 20 plus points. Three plus steals and three plus blocks. First is Akeem, second is David Robinson, and third is Patrick Ewing. The season I'm picking for Patrick Ewing, I had a bit of a trouble. It was either going to be the 88-89 season where he averages most points. He was averaging 28 points and four blocks. It was 89-90 season. But he was kind of young, didn't really have much experience, and his playoff success really wasn't there too much. So the year I'm picking was the 91-92 season. That year, he was 29 years old, averaged 24 points, 11 boards, uh, two assists, and a steal and three blocks. Played all 82 games that year, 38 minutes a game on 50% shooting. When you look at that year, just his, his stats, he was fifth in MVP voting, second team all nba second team all defense nba second in defensive rating out of the whole league first behind david robinson and he anchored the second best defense in the league he had a five percent block rate which i thought was incredible five percent of the field goals that were shot while patrick ewing was on the floor were blocked by him five percent just just think about the share of all field goals shot is that five percent of the shots yeah from the opposing from team the opposing or 5% team. of the shots from the opposing no, from the opposing like team. player that he's defending. Yeah, he was – and his wingspan, when I was watching him, it was incredible. Like the, the wow. kind of reaches and the length he got. And that year, they made it to the second round of the playoffs. That year, they had uh, – the record is 51-31. and 31. They lost to the Bulls in the second round, took them to seven games, the eventual champions, Michael Jordan. One of the very few Game 7s Michael Jordan ever had to go through and it was with Patrick Ewing. And one of the games there where he had game six, he'd really sprained his ankle. And they were down uh, 3-1. Took him, no, they were down 3-2. Took him 28 points, eight boards, three blocks on 59% shooting. Took overcome them to take him to the game seven. Meaning Patrick Ewing got heart, man. Things are on the line. He's going against the baddest team in the league. And it's it's he's putting it all out there. The first round of the playoffs, they beat the defending champions, Detroit Pistons, with they they had the best defense in the league, and he carried the the Knicks through cruising. The Pistons had won two years prior, so it wasn't an easy feat. They were still the bad boy Pistons. I think they were first in Central Division, first or second at least. That year, some highlight games, he dropped 45, 10, and four blocks against Detroit. Again, again the best defense in the league. He had... 20-point games against Hakeem, which is arguably the greatest center defensively of all time. 20-point game against David Robinson, which I believe he won Defensive Player of the Year that year. 
And when I'm thinking about this this matchup, Ewing just has all of the physical domination that Embiid usually imposes on at will in the NBA today. There's really no center in the NBA like Ewing and no center that Embiid has gone against that is would give him much of a, a trouble that Ewing would give. The closest you could say would be Rudy Gobert. But then again, Rudy Gobert is really good at contesting shots, but he's really not a physical dominant presence. He just kind of has a really long length, but gets bodied quite easily. If you take him, we can see in this John Morant series, John Morant's taken it to Rudy Gobert. If you get him into the body, it's it's really not much of a, a deterrent. So when we look at Patrick Ewing's game and what kind of shots he'll be taking, he didn't really shoot three-pointers. That wasn't a center's job back then. So really what he was doing, he had the mid-range game. So you're going to have to respect him and come out on, or he's going to just drill it in your face. And honestly, his low post game was just impeccable. Every shot you really had. He had a hook shot, turnaround jumper. He finished with either hand. And when I was watching his highlights, one thing that you know, when I what I noticed was his release point on his jumper was really high. And... That makes it really tough to block some of those turnaround jumpers and even just those face-up jumpers because he puts the ball above his head. And with a 7-foot standing and almost 8-foot wingspan, that release point is going to be really high. So it's not going to be easy to for Joel just to stifle that, that shot. And when I think about how the game is going to be being played, Patrick Ewing has the footwork and the mobility really just to spot up, take one or two dribbles, and, and I've seen him with his long reach, just like dunk over dudes, even bigger than Embiid, badder than Embiid. They were much more physical back then than Embiid is allowed to be. And I don't think he's kind of frail. I mean, not frail in the game, but he's really like you, you bang bodies with him. You can, he's might hurt his knee. He might tear something. It's really not his, not conducive to his play style to bang bodies down there. He really likes to take advantage of the matchups and, and today's big men really don't have any skill set. I'm thinking, who are the best defensive centers in the NBA today? You got Rudy Gobert, who he continually just drops. Jonas Valanciunas, I don't know how well he does against him, but he's a big body. But I, I digress. The way I'm looking at this this matchup, Joel Embiid, yes, he has the three point shot, but the way that Patrick Ewing has the length to contest it has the quick feet that. Joel Embiid's going to want to try to get him on the first step and explosive, get him by. Patrick Ewing's going to stay in front of him every single time. And if he does get beat even once or twice, he's going to be more than capable to make up on the on the chase down block. So when I say the score is looking like, I got to put it like 21 to 17. And this is the one of the rare matchups where I think one side has a two-point shot, the other side doesn't. And because of the pure athleticism, because Patrick Ewing, 29 years old, has seen Hakeem, has seen David Robinson, has seen Karl Malone, he's seen Dennis Rodman, has seen these all-time defenders for years now. I don't think we put him in a one-on-one with, with Joel Embiid. There's nothing he hasn't seen before, except maybe a jump shot where Embiid has shot maybe one year pretty well at like almost 40%. Other than that, he's not really a lights out shooter. And one of the most famous moves he has is this kind of pump fake into the drive. And Patrick Ewing is not going to bite on that after like two or three times, like a smart defender, like Patrick Ewing, who is second in defensive rating in the NBA that year. He's just not going to be fooled by that. So initial argument. That's why I'm going 21, 17 Patrick Ewing. Well then, 
All right, I will be arguing for Mr. Joel Embiid, a.k.a. JoJo, a.k.a. The Process. And the other two nicknames are stupid, so we're going to skip over them. No, you got to do dual 180. That shit on Jeopardy was hilarious, and he embraces it. Joel Embiid, Joel dual 180 Embiid. You have to mention that one, or I'll mention it for you. I wasn't positive I could <laughs> enunciate it properly to have the full effect come on. I thought it would be sound more like Dua Lipa kind of type of thing. A.K.A. do a 180, A.K.A. Thank you. Troll. I think that's how you pronounce that last one. I'm not. I'm not positive. I might need some help on that one. No, it's. I. I thought that too. It's Troel. <laughs> ah, like Joel, but Troel. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Ronnie points. Trust Joel. Is that it? Is that the context? I don't know that one. That one's over my head. That's because he's a troll, but he's also he's merging with his name, dude. Come on. That's why I pronounced it as Yo, troll originally. Such <laughs> <laughs> an old man. Such an old man. Yeah, but his his name is Joel. All right, let's let's Anyways, proceed. <laughs> Joel Embiid is seven feet tall, weighing in at two hundred and eighty pounds. Um, so again, according to Adam's measurements, that means he'll have forty pounds on Patrick Ewing. I was actually really surprised Adam picked 29-year-old Patrick Ewing when his knees had started barking at that point instead of one of the most athletic younger big guys that entered the league, put on some weight over the years and definitely slowed down quite a bit. Um, that was a little bit surprising to me. So I think Embiid shouldn't have any problems keeping up with him uh, in that regards. Can I ask you something? Uh, do I get to make any arguments first? What is, what is his knees barking entail? Like what happened? Oh no! I just wanted. To, well, I interrupted Adam too. I just want to ask a question. What What is knee? I mean, over like? time, as he knee? got older, Ewing had some knee problems, like a lot of a lot of guys do. He just wasn't as athletic as he was when he was twenty four. When he was twenty nine, he had slipped a little bit in that regards. You know, once you get past twenty six, twenty seven, for a lot of the big guys, you definitely slow down quite a bit. And Ewing was definitely one of the people that suffered from that a bit. Still, still very good player. It altered his production slightly, but I, again, I'm just saying from a pure athleticism point i'm trying to make uh, i don't think Embiid will really be at any disadvantage here with a 29 year old ewing i'm going to be choosing this season for joel Embiid, the 2020 2021 nba season he's averaged 28 and a half points uh 10 and a half rebounds three assists a steal a block and a half uh, while shooting 51% from the field, 38% from three, and 86% from the free throw line, which is another place that he is a big advantage over Ewing. Um, Adam mentioned Ewing had a mid-range shot. It was okay. It's fine. Ewing, you know, was about a, a right around 73, 74% for free throws for his career. He had a decent mid-range, wasn't really anything special. Embiid is now in the 86% range, which is definitely an indicator of a very good shooter. He's up to 38% from three right now, and he's also shooting career highs from the mid-range, which I'll get into in a little bit. Um, in regards to his accolades, uh, Joel Embiid uh, is going to finish second in MVP. And, oh, God is going to finish second in MVP voting this year. So that's better than Ewing ever did. Uh, and he's also been in the all-defensive team three times, even though he's only in his fifth season um, as compared to the entirety of Ewing's career. Now, that's uh, another separator, right? I'm, I'm going to flip it up. I'm going to talk defense first. Primarily, Ewing's game was centered in the post, and Joel Embiid is... You know, from a pure post defender perspective, the best defender in the league right now. As I've had mentioned, there are other centers that maybe aren't the same type of size. 
uh, or the same type of skill set that Ewing had, right? A pure back to the basket guy. Um, but just because none exists doesn't mean Embiid wouldn't be good at that. He's an elite level defender in the post right now. Uh, again, I would argue playing time is the only thing probably keeping him from being right there with Rudy Gobert the past couple of years uh, for the defensive player of the year. He's on that level. Um, he has the bulk to handle him. Uh, he's definitely just as strong as Ewing, probably stronger with that extra weight on him. We've seen him kind of uh, tone his his body a little bit this year. He's in much better shape this season than he has been the last couple of years. Um, so while the minutes played are only 31 a game, uh, I think he could have played more at, at different points. He hasn't looked tired and, and falling over at the end of the games like he had in some prior seasons. So I definitely think uh, that's an area that Embiid will uh, hold up well, and, and Ewing's strengths will kind of be mitigated there. When we turn to offense, this is where I see uh, Embiid having a huge advantage over Ewing. First off, I'm not sure that Patrick Ewing can dribble the ball more than twice um, in a direction uh, without having some sloppiness to his handle. Uh, that's not really something he was ever asked to do in his career, uh, even when he was a star player at Georgetown, right? I, I've seen him dribble up the court in some fast breaks, and it hasn't exactly been the prettiest thing. While he did have solid hands, uh, it definitely wasn't uh, a great skill, and you can definitely go back and look through clips and see him fumbling with the ball sometimes. And, and that's definitely something you would never see with Embiid. Uh, for as far as big guys go, Embiid has probably the best set of hands uh, I've seen in this generation for sure, and, and pretty much as far back as I can remember. That translates into you know his dexterity when he's dribbling. You know, for a guy his size, he's able to do uh, plenty of moves. Uh, that other people can't and you know he can kind of go at his own pace he has that kind of Chris Paul type aspect where he can slow down when he's dribbling uh, get to a better uh, position to take his shot uh, and there's really no harm from doing that the other big thing that's changed for Embiid this year in particular and as a Celtics fan I've witnessed it firsthand many times in the past when we would go up against Embiid uh, and he'd get the ball in the mid post and he decided to take a turnaround jumper, I would be ecstatic. And that no longer is the case. Uh, if we look at this year alone, uh, Embiid has moved into the elite level for all shooters, not just at his position uh, within the mid range. Uh, if we look at uh, between 10 uh, and three uh, to the three, 10 feet to the three point line. Uh, he's taking about 38% of his shots there this year, and he's shooting 49% on those shots, which is an elite level clip. If we look at again, Chris Paul's fresh on the mind. He's been one of the best mid-range shooters in the league this year as well. He's at a very similar clip, just uh, slightly above that. And when we're talking about someone that's seven feet tall going over either shoulder on those turnaround jumpers, which will be a component of his game here. I don't see him having any problems, even if Patrick Ewing's, uh, let's just put it, tall tail wingspan that's out there is, <laughs> is going. I think he's going to be able to shoot over him without any problem uh, whatsoever at all. If we also look at Embiid, he's an amazing post player too. And yes, Adam, we can keep talking about other people that aren't Embiid who are guarding Embiid and not doing a good job at it. I don't think that's really relevant. Let's just say... I will take your point. Let's just say we go up against Ewing, who probably would be one of the best post defenders in the league this year. There would be a slight drop-off from Embiid's production levels, but he still has been one of the most historic players in the post. Uh, if we look at Daryl Morey, when he comes in and how he builds teams, James Harden right, running his isolations on the top of the arc, right? we look for certain play types that can be dominated from an efficiency perspective. And in Joel Embiid post-up, in a game, 
where there is no post-ups throughout the league anymore, was the second most efficient shot last season when we were talking about points per possession, right? We're talking about a post-player shot that's gone completely out of vogue, that's left the game because so, so few people can do it efficiently. Joel Embiid was the second most efficient in the league for that play type. Um, we're talking over, uh, you know, spread pick and roll offenses. We're talking the best guards in the league. He had the second best numbers behind Harden uh, in that capacity. That's huge. And finally, to wrap it up, Ewing's going to have to do more than respect the three-point shot. A 38% three-point shooter, uh, you know, Embiid doesn't have the fastest release out there. Uh, but if Ewing does crowd him at all, I'm very confident he can dribble past him uh, on either side. And Ewing's not going to be shooting any three-pointers at all. Zero. None, right? Uh, when we're talking about Embiid, we're looking at about 17% of his shots coming from three at 38%. That's a very good clip. Uh, I expect him probably to get a three two-pointers in this game, right? Uh, at least on makes, so he'll probably take uh, four or five minimum. That will be a component here that will get him out uh, and build up a lead here. I'm going to go with the final score of 21 to 15. I do think that Patrick Ewing, I will go with Adam. I think he's kind of been forgotten by you know the modern day NBA fan here of how good he is. Um, I just think this is a really bad matchup for him. Uh, everything he does well, I think Embiid uh, can mitigate. Uh, and everything he doesn't do quite as well, I think a B can take advantage of. And that's why I'm going 2115. I, I got a quick question. So are we are we all in agreement here that Patrick Ewing had an eight foot wingspan? <laughs> I need I need this confirmed because that will play a big it, part in my decision. Yeah, let me let me show you the article. And when if you Google Patrick Ewing wingspan right now, it'll come up eight feet. Yeah, but I got it from the same uh, if, if It's the number one Google, and then there's this whole profile on Patrick Ewing. I'm not saying it's definitely wrong. I just would be very surprised that someone have a foot longer wingspan. There's very, very, very few people on earth that have a foot longer wingspan no, than no, their I, height. If it's a New York Times thing, I believe it. New York Times has never steered me wrong. It's from 1985. You know what happened in 1985? When is a profile of when he got into the that's league. When, that's when he was alive. That's when he was yeah, they didn't know how to measure wingspans in 1985. They didn't it measure the, wingspans the in 1985. First off, they didn't do it. And second off, um, what happened in 1985? <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. He got hurt his first year. Okay, so that's why I wanted the to The Phantom bet. Lottery, uh, you know, where they froze the, the ping pong balls and the Knicks got Patrick Ewing because they were cheaters. So there's tall tales everywhere here. I'm just saying this isn't a time we can trust the NBA information that's yeah, coming out. Okay, coming okay. Let's okay. Let's no. Let's 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 say the measurements on a New York Times article are much more tr trustworthy than the shady dealings of David Stern in the New York Knicks front <laughs> office. Let's just say that. Anyway, anyway, I want to combat with uh, this knee thing with Patrick Ewing. He had. A rough start to his career, and then that season he played 38 minutes a game, all 82 games. The fo following year he played 81 games, 38 minutes. The following year played 82. The following year played 81. So yeah, that's not a measure of knee effectiveness. But yes, I'm saying he played in the games. They just weren't as strong. They weren't there, and he continued to have problems throughout the rest of his career. So I'm just saying he is much more equipped for a longer battle than Joel Embiid is. He's gone through. Like I said, game six, even if he sprains an ankle, he's putting buckets on the, the championship Chicago Bulls. And when you're saying that Joel Embiid's a great defender, I also want to point out you also say the NBA is a different game. There are no players in the NBA with the skill set that Patch Ewing has right now that Joel Embiid's ever had to guard. 
there's no post defenders that have the moves that Patrick Ewing's had, that have the the skill set, the the speed, the size. Joel Embiid is in a class of his own. The only person that you can kind of put it on is Nikola Jokic, and even that's a way bit different. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that when Patrick Ewing steps on the court, Joel Embiid's gonna be like, "Yeah, I've guarded this kind of thing before." He'll have no idea what the kind of moves yeah. That I think you're making an argument of absence in your benefit, right? You could say that you haven't faced something before; you're gonna do bad against it. I don't think that's reasonable. Embiid has the frame, the footwork, all of that to hang with him. We have no reason to believe he couldn't do that, right? We're talking about in our modern day, probably the second best defender in the entire league. Why would we suddenly say he can't handle or, you know, give someone a a big problem in the post? That's just ridiculous to say that he can't do it because he's never seen it. That's not fair to him. He is not, that's not his problem. He just, because he doesn't go up against post defenders doesn't mean he still wouldn't be really good either. This is the same thing. How come um, Patrick Ewing has so many steals? Oh, he played in a generation because it's so easy to get steals. You can't do that. You can't get it like that. That's just not how this works. I mean, blocks are on their own. I mean, Patrick Ewing averaging three blocks that year. The defensive rating was like 96. I mean, in and in leading the second best defense behind the most dirty Detroit Pistons team that you've seen. And Joel Embiid, granted, he has a jump shot, but all those threes, 54. Two of his threes came assisted. Seven threes this year came unassisted. So it's not like Embiid is comfortable just yakking these threes up. That's not his game. He's waiting for the open three. So when you're checking the ball up, it's not like he's on these catches. That's not one on one. That's not one on one. He's still a good shooter, regardless of the fact. No, I'm like, saying you can't but I'm take, saying you can't take away his proclivity as a. As, okay, so how's Patrick Ewing going to drive anywhere near the basket? He can't dribble. Yeah, I've, no, I was going to also combat that. When just watch a highlight, bro. I've seen him dribble up the court on fast breaks. Like he's got a handle. It's ugly. Ugly. You put it back to the basket. You back down, and he has a quick enough step that Embiid can't just out muscle him. I think. I think Ewing is quicker than Embiid is, and I think in a in a physical ass one on one. Patrick Ewing's done this before. He's done this against the greatest NBA center defenders that there is, and he hasn't tired out. He's carried the team. Embiid, they fucking gasp he plays over 35 minutes a game god forbid and you put a little bump in knees and beads gone there's no there's he's frail and i'm not saying like he's frail like he can get easily pushed around but his bones his his muscle like i don't think in a physical ass game like this that he's going to be able to just come out unscathed like he's gonna be hobbling after this game especially patrick ewan type defense okay if you want to say that <laughs> sure it's a bunch of malarkey, but sure. <laughs> Baloney and malarkey. Malarkey. I, <laughs> I think his his quick feet and beads not going to get his dribbles as quickly as you think he is. He moves in slow motion. It's a lot of catching the defender off when they're off balance, and that's not what he's going to have. So if you really want to, if you want to do this, I'll do this. I'll get into this point by point with you, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to, but I will. You do what you want to do, baby. Okay, here we go. Patrick Ewing, three blocks a game. How many percent of shots were taken in the paint in his error versus outside of the paint? And the opportunities that he had to block shots were much, much higher than Embiid. Yes, his block percentage was better. I will give you that. Embiid is not that type of going after and chasing, getting out of position block chaser like Patrick Ewing was for a lot of his early career. Right. Patrick Ewing is a very good defender. That's and I would, argue, I would argue, I would argue that most of his blocks were coming from the weak side and not as a primary defender. Because when I look back and I remember all of the Patrick Ewing highlights that I've seen, it's him stepping from the weak side block to the middle of the paint and tossing the ball back from a from a shot just outside the paint on the opposite side. 
It's not him being the primary defender on a seven foot post player and going and blocking his shot because elite level post players like Joel Embiid know how to get their body into someone to hit the weight, to create the space, to get the shot in those tight spaces. I hear you, but I don't think Joel Embiid's post games uh, as good as Patrick Ewing's defensively and offensively. If, if we're talking about post, let's just say this Joel Embiid's just not going to win in the post with him. We have no reason to believe it's not as good. I will give you maybe if it's a slight disadvantage. Sure. Okay. Embiid is clearly better in every other area than Ewing. Significantly better from a handle perspective, from a uh, moving in from the mid post and in from a shooting perspective on offense. He's better in every single area. You can shake your head. I have no idea how you could possibly disagree with that. Uh, he's not a better defender. He's not a better perimeter defender. It's handles, I'll give you. Three point, How come Patrick you. Ewing never made first team all, M- all NBA defense then? Because Hakeem Olajuwon played while he was playing, bro. And also, I, that's a, you bring up a really good okay, point. Okay, and Rudy Gobert is playing. Pa- listen, listen, and Rudy Gobert is playing while Embiid's playing. Listen, listen, listen. David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, Carl uh, Malone, they put him down also. Anyway, I, the point I was Carl making. Carl Malone's was, never guarded Ewing because Greg Oystertag and all of the other crappy centers that the Jazz had were playing against him. So nice I, try, but no. I wanted, no, I wanted, I wanted to bring up a point. So in the 1993, <laughs> 1994, and 1994, 1995 season, Ewing was fourth in MVP voting and fifth in MVP voting, but didn't make any all NBA teams. Do you know why? Because the center position back then was so much more competitive. What who is who is Embiid going up against? He's he's competing against Rudy Gobert and Nikola Jokic. That's the only three three centers that he's competing with on all NBA teams. When you're looking at the prime NBA center, the prime years of the NBA center with all of these guys, Patrick Ewing's still making it to the third. You're trying to make this a negative argument about my guy because your guy didn't make it. Are you freaking no. kidding me? You're you're no, out of left field saying, here. What are you talking all I'm about? Saying, you're talking about how this guy didn't make these all NBA teams. It's a crock of shit he didn't make them because how is he not the top 15 player enough. in the NBA? But he's fifth. His but he's fourth in MVP was, voting. But he's fourth in he MVP voting. What did he ever win? Absolutely nothing. How do you do? How does that work for you? There's Joel Embiid. I'm talking about you can't discredit Patrick Ewing's not all these accolades because the accolades didn't just work then. It just didn't make sense. They didn't have front court and back court. They had center. It was much more restrictive of a of a accolade. I am looking forward to Embiid making his first All NBA this year because of the rule change that they did make this year. Adam, I just wanted you to feel like what you consistently do to me during our argument phase. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I think I handled it well. <laughs> well, that was great, guys. Uh, any other counter arguments, or should I proceed with questions? It's all you, brother. I'm, I'm ready for questions. Yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of a lot going on here, and I don't know what to believe. First, is is it true Embiid hasn't gotten an all NBA yet? He has. He's gotten multiple. Oh, I thought you just said that. Oh, uh, I thought you were like you said you were looking for for him to get his first. Oh, for first All NBA. First team, gotcha, first gotcha. first team okay. All NBA, which Patrick Ewing never got, and he's gonna get it this okay. year. Dog, I, I, Patrick Ewing is just not better than Hakeem Olajuwon, and will never have beaten Hakeem Olajuwon because Hakeem Olajuwon arguably a top two center of all time. It's Kareem and Hakeem, and Shaq, like and Bill. And Hakeem like, didn't make first team every single year either. Yo, honestly, we don't that. need to argue about the accolades because I don't think that uh, that's not going to play too much of a part in my <laughs> decision. Not, I understand the differences, and yeah, the rule change definitely benefits Embiid. 
Oh yeah, he Shaq. He had to compete with Shaq, David Robinson, and Akeem Olajuwon every year. Let me just throw that. That's my last point. He, he didn't to have compete to with, compete with Shaq. Shaq's career overlapped him for like three years in his prime. Let's not worry about that. And it was dog, baby Shaq dog, before dog, he was that. real Shaq. There was never a baby Shaq when he was birthed into this league. Was ne- there's no baby Shaq. Shaq was Shaq. Let's not do that. Let's not. I'm do actually, that. I'm li- literally watching Patrick Ewing versus Young Shaq right now. Giant dual highlights. Yeah. See, don't look at though, because that's that's yeah, not like, that's not that's not the year that you should be looking at. That's not the year you should be looking at. No, he's you can, his, no. I'm, he's holding his own. Don't you worry. It's not. There's some negative. I'm just. I'm just letting. I'm just letting you know, Patrick Ewing, nowhere near any of those guys. Didn't deserve to be oh, over him. Okay. Right. I just want to make that clear. Yo, I don't want him to get credit for being the same breath because yo, he doesn't so deserve it. In these 1v1s, <laughs> three-point percentage or three – the player that can shoot the three-pointer is usually at a huge advantage, get, being able to shoot. And I, I've looked at his, uh, Patrick Ewing's numbers. He's definitely not shooting threes. And I've seen some highlights. I've never seen him shoot a three in any of the highlights. Uh, so how how is he going to overcome that deficit, Adam? Like, because Joel Embiid can shoot it. I don't think he can shoot one v one like as easily. Uh, I agree with you. I think is a lot of his like uncontested assisted three pointers. That's what I've seen. I don't think Joel Embiid is going to be taking like three contested three pointers on a one v one matchup very consistently. I think we need to really give credit to. Patrick Ewing's perimeter defense and how he can stay in front of Joel Embiid, and a lot of a lot of Joel Embiid's movement is when they're swinging the ball and it's a lot of off balance defenders coming in his way for the three point line. So I agree that a lot of times the person with the two point shot has an advantage. I think this is the rare moment where there's enough consistency with Patrick Ewing scoring every time, and Embiid is going to get his as well. He'll he'll probably even hit a, a one or two a two twos, but I don't think the way Embiid plays and his go-to move of like that slow pump fake into the drive, Ewing's just going to be able to read that and stay in front of him a bunch, and it's going to be a lot of contested shots, especially with the long wingspan. Yeah, especially if Ewing really does have this eight-foot wingspan you speak of. I I can't see him be shooting over that real easy. So it's going to be like, oh. Dude, I was really amazed. Like, I didn't believe it as well, and then I was watching these highlights, and when he's like reaching for the basket, just standing there, he barely like it's basically there. Like I, I was shocked. It was his wingspan was crazy. I just want to say, Adam, I'm I'm curious as to how you uh, have any belief in Patrick Ewing's perimeter defense when he was never asked to do that whatsoever at all in his career at any point. I mean, every time he had to, he performed. He but he, he didn't switches, do that. On switch, he didn't switches, switch. Bro. They didn't switch. He was in the paint constantly in. Uh, legal defenses in today and rarely ever left the you know two feet outside the paint in any direction he didn't guard guards like you see mb do at any point that's not something that patrick ewing did so how are you comfortable okay. with saying that he'd be good at it and also Embiid slow pump fakes uh, the highlights I've seen. are when people are closing out on him so if ewing decides to close out on him maybe you do it then otherwise he's there's, not going to be no, using that no that's not a primary point <laughs> yeah, of his no game closeout. exactly it's not going to be used so get rid of that point too trash cans on your left <laughs> no i'm saying your three-pointers are coming mostly assisted and the ones that you're getting are pump fake going, you know, austin so. came in hot today <laughs> he woke up and chose violence with it i'm super with it I'm super with it. I like it. <laughs> I've never it. seen so much fire in Austin before. Must be a really big Embiid fan. 
It's a new I, me. No, it's a new Austin, me, Laura. Would you be voting Embiid MVP this year if you had a ballot? No, he wouldn't be on on my top uh, top spot. He'd be second. He he passed Giannis with his close to the year. As we had this conversation on this podcast a few weeks ago, Jokic is the MVP. He had the best last month of the season. They didn't collapse. Giannis didn't close like he needed to. That's what I'm going with. Gotcha. Okay. And I also mentioned Embiid would be second. This will be. NBA second place vote this year. All right. Well, I will give it I, no I, I just want to also I... say I have yet to successfully say MVP on this entire podcast in the five times I've tried to. So I'm impressed with my lack of speech ability right now. Yeah. I think I said NBP, NBA, MVP. The, well, <laughs> I just can't say it. It's the pink lemonade. It's the pink lemonade yeah, talking, it, it, bro. It is. Um, oh, and before we forget, I just wanted yeah, to... Yeah, tell the, tell the audience what you're drinking. Oh, yes. Uh, this is actually our first sponsor corner on the podcast. We've been hard at work trying to procure one. I have a local lemonade brand uh, based out of Rhode Island called Dell's. You might have heard of them for any of your Boston zone. Uh, they graciously donated the lemonade for today, uh, and we just wanted to shout them out, uh, you know, because sponsors. Uh, I, as... I'm just going to say they're not a sponsor. I will say they're a nice business, but we'll have to talk uh, outside the pot about those uh, those dollar-dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> How was the first ad read? No, no. I will edit this. <laughs> um, it's the tequila in the, in the Dells. All right. So, Austin, you were saying that you were – basically talking shit about Patrick Ewing's durability at age. What is he? So he's at age 27 at this season. This is 89, 90, right? No, this is his age. No, 20, no. no. See, he didn't pick that years. season. 20, no, his 29. He picked two years later. Oh, two years that's later. because, okay, okay. and I'll tell you why, well, because fine. he was, he was more polished. Uh, he's gone against more. Less athletic. Maintained just almost the same average, a few points less. But four and a half take his team better records in the NBA season and deeper in the playoffs. And I think taking the the Bulls to seven games is no joke. Shot four percent less from the field. Still fifty percent so, from the field. Average a block so less. What I saw was that that highlight. I saw Patrick Ewing playing Shaq um, towards the latter years of his career. He looked quite spry. So I'm not buying the he was less athletic. He looked pretty athletic in that game. Um, well, you also, should have seen him earlier in his career. <laughs> well, also his his durability, like Adam said, looks pretty good. After his first two seasons, he's played at least eighty games up until like year thirty, and then after that, it was still like seventy nine, seventy six. I don't see those knee issues bugging him. I, when I look at Joel Embiid's games played, the highest he's ever played is sixty four, and this is only his fifth year in the league. And he's this year he only played fifty one out of seventy two, and when I watch him be play, he might be more fit compared to previous years, but that might be because his previous years were really bad. And this year, he I still see him huffing and puffing at the end of the game. He's still only playing like 32 mm-hmm. minutes. Patrick Ewing was playing about 38 minutes per game uh, in the season that um, Adam chose. So what makes you think that Embiid is going to be able to keep up with Patrick Ewing? I, I don't see it. I, I hear you. I don't see it. From the numbers I'm looking at, <laughs> it's it's no. This is this is not where this argument needs to come down to. Like this is not this is not relevant to this game, right? Patrick Ewing is a, a post only player. Not? He's going to bump into him. Uh, we, I'm going to tell you, I was speaking. 
Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Proceed. Adam, you have something to say? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just a quick, we've all played one-on-one and, and stamina and being able to not be tired after fucking bumping bodies at like 15, 13 is, I think that plays into, into playing this. I don't think it's like stamina is not a thing. Yeah, I just don't see Ewing keeping it that close. Again, stamina will factor in. I don't. I, I dismissed your question a little offhand. Here's what I'm trying to say. Embiid has every physical characteristic to keep up with Ewing in the post. He's stronger than him. He has the frame. He's going to be able to contest him. He's going to be able to bump and bruise with him. Embiid also has the luxury of taking a three off the uh, off a made basket or a missed basket, right? He doesn't have to go into the paint and bump and grind every single time. He has vastly superior shooting skills. He will be able to take advantage of all of those. Now, yes, Patrick Ewing played 38 minutes a game, and Bede plays 32. So what? Okay, that's six minutes different a game. Yes, he gets tired sometimes. Maybe at the end he leaks a point or two. I think there's going to be a big enough gap that it's not even really going to matter at all. Again, 21-15 was my score. I'm not anticipating a super close game. I think it'll be competitive for the beginning. I think Embiid pulls away with his shooting in the mid, and then ultimately he just keeps banging away. Maybe he gets tired and he gets a couple extra points, maybe 21-16, 21-17. I just don't see it being close at the end. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And it is kind of crazy that there's a 40-pound weight difference. It's going to be a huge disadvantage there for Ewing. Also, I, I was going to say, you can't say that he – Whenever we talk about these basketball references, we get the weight. That's always when they come in. And you already you can't say he's 280 and then he slimmed down this year. There's not a 40 pound weight difference for sure. And oh, I was, he and, was and I said, much as above I said before, that. And I said as I said before, Ewing put on some pounds when he uh, when he came onto the league as well. So I think I, I'm 20 pounds at most is what I'm seeing this weight difference is. I would say 30 is the barrier I would go with. I, I think it's probably like 280, 250 was probably. I'll give, I'll give you 25. 290. I'd be surprised if Embiid's 280 right now. We'll set out 25. You think Embiid's I'll, 280 I'll, still? I would have thought he's I'll bigger I'll put my than money that. on 25. Matter of fact, I don't think he's been 280 since Kansas when he was skinny. Remember that? Well, I'm saying uh, I, I don't think it's that big a difference. But yeah, Joel Embiid will have a slight weight difference. Okay. In strength. In strength. And dexterity and footwork and, not, and, his and more baskets scored. Not, no, 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 not footwork and definitely slower. Have you seen the man drive? Oh, it's a work of art. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's a lot of hearsay in this podcast. I don't know who to believe, but I'm just going to go with some of the points that you guys have made that I can at least kind of validate by research. Embiid is definitely the bigger guy. Without a doubt, even if we agree with a 25-pound weight difference, that's pretty significant. I think he's obviously the better three-point shooter, and three-point shooters tend to win these matchups just because, like, the, the added point – or the two-pointers. I'm sorry. I've been saying three-pointer this whole podcast. Uh, the two-pointer, that added point, just it's huge. And if Embiid can hit at least two or three of those, it just it already kind of gives him a leg up on Patrick Ewing. That being said, I really – do not have a lot of faith in Embiid's stamina during a game in a 1v1. I don't, especially when he has to just stay on Patrick Ewing the whole time. I, Patrick Ewing looks fast. I think Embiid's underrated his speed, but I think Patrick Ewing is more athletic. I think he's a little faster. Um, I think Embiid's going to have trouble guarding him and vice versa. Ewing's not, it's not going to be easy for Ewing either, but that eight foot wingspan, since we agreed on that, I'm believing on <laughs> that 
data point there. That A4 wingspan is going to be big for deterring Joel Embiid's three-pointers, his mid-range. And it's going to be big for Patrick Ewing making his little mid-range shots. I've seen a lot of his little turnaround shots that he that he shoots. It's kind of his bread and butter, it looks like. Again, I don't really know much about Patrick Ewing. But yeah, I think I've made my decision. I think you guys might be able to tell where I'm leaning. And it's going to be, unfortunately, Patrick Ewing because he's from the Knicks and I hate the Knicks. But <laughs> I choose Patrick Ewing over Joel Embiid. I think Patrick Ewing's got this. Hey, yeah, there I think we the go. durability is going to play a huge part. His wingspan is going to play a huge part. And he can bang bodies. I, I was watching him play against Shaq. And Shaq, if if we're going with the weight is is when they come in, Shaq came in at 325. <laughs> so that dude, that's a big boy. <laughs> so if he can stay on top of Shaq, he can stay on top of Embiid. So I've been accused of after a matchup saying, oh, I think the other side should win. This is one I vehemently disagree with the judges, <laughs> judges decision on. I strongly, strongly disagree. Should you uh, should disagree with this one. <laughs> when you lose. Austin's playing. <laughs> No, I'm not flabbergasted. I just don't have anything else to say. I'm very disappointed <laughs> in your judgment. You should watch some damn basketball highlights, Lyle. I literally that you'll just learn watched something. for this entire podcast. Did you watch any Joel Embiid ones? Did you watch any Joel Embiid ones? It's going to be close because Embiid's three-pointers. I think it's going to be 21-18. 21-18. Yeah. All right. I feel yeah, good, bro. Adam, it's it's Adam, always a little tougher. Disagree? The man Here. can't dribble. <laughs> you disagree with my dude? How is Ewing gonna get to the point to the paint to shoot? That's what I want to know. He can't dribble. He can dribble. He can dribble he just fine. Not a dribble. Dribbling in the open court dude, versus no, defensive he, he pressure. Just my dribble Lord. like full Come court, on. like Embiid can, but he can dribble in the half court. He can do it just fine. Like one or two dribbles, he's fine. He can make it. I, I honestly don't think and, and Embiid is really. He's a really good defender, but I, he has never gone against an elite post player so i don't think like it's all easy peasy transferable like he's gone against uh, patrick ewan's got bang bodies against Shaq, hakeem david robinson like arguably the top five six centers in uh, history next to wilts bill and uh and kareem like he, he uh, so i think it'll be really close but i do think pat would take it just because he's um he's gone against uh, elite centers already the only thing I'll say, my last point, is it's much easier to catch the ball on an entry pass on the block than it is to start from the top of the key, try to take three or four dribbles to get to near a spot you want to start backing down from. I really just don't think Ewing had that capability. We saw the highlights in the open court. Yes, he could dribble a little bit in the open court. That has nothing to do with making a dribble move. He has no moves to get from the top to the post, and that's just, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm stunned and I'm dismayed. <laughs> I uh, I feel good uh, winning with the older player. I feel real good. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up for our first matchup. We had Patrick Ewing taking it over Joel Embiid. 2118 is what Laurel, our judge, says. Uh, I'm happy about it. Austin is not, and it's the way it should be. So we have our second matchup <laughs> is. Going uh, some heavenly, not heavenly, let's not get religious here, but uh, some old gods. Uh, we had the option I let Austin and Lauro select what kind of gods they wanted between Norse. Uh, we had Egyptian. We had um, Hindu, anything like that. I will be the judge. And so Lauro chose Loki of the Norse books. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
Civilization. Yeah, of the Norse books. Yeah. <laughs> the Norse Bible. <laughs> and uh, Austin selected my uh, half home country, Egypt, and Anubis. So we will be arguing who we think would win in a basketball game. Uh, game to 21, the same rules as applied from before. And we might get a little ridiculous on this. Just uh, bear with us and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, Laura will be going first as to why he thinks Loki's taking it on the basketball court against Anubis. All right. Well, as Adam mentioned, I chose Loki, the god of mischief in Norse mythology, in the Norse Bible, as Adam put it. So let's get right into the ridiculousness. Uh, so I looked at his physical profile up. He had a pretty decent height for a basketball player, 6'4". Uh, his weight, though, was shocking. Um, I got him checking in at 525 pounds. Not sure how 6'4", man, but maybe uh, God damn. Maybe gods are just built different, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, he's also – I didn't know this. He's not even the – like. He's not an Asgardian. He's the son of Frost Giants, and he was adopted by Odin. So he's not even, like, blood-related to Thor or Odin. He was adopted by Odin and then raised in Asgard. And just, he's a basically a foster brother of Thor. So I'm a big fan of Norse mythology. I used to play this game called Age of Mythology back in the day. And whenever I'd go Norse, I'd choose Loki. He had cool powers. But I usually stuck with egyptian or greek because that was my did you relate to lying a bunch were you would you were you a prankster growing up what was the best prank that you ever pulled oh man i don't i'm not i was never much of a prankster but i did read about a prank that was pretty incredible that some kids did at a high school once where they released uh some like farm animals in the, in the the school, I forget if it was like it was roosters or pigs original. or something like that. But they not that original. Well, no. All right, well, give me a second. They numbered <laughs> them, so they released three of them, right? And they numbered them one, two, and four. So the school was out there looking for number three forever. Like they were like tripping. Like where <laughs> is this third animal? Like for weeks they were looking for this guy. <laughs> and I I thought that was incredible. It's just like it's it's the long con and I, I'm always about the long con. Have I told you about how I pranked speaking of long con, did I ever tell you about how I pranked Roy? Made him think that he was on a radio station? <laughs> no, but I'd love to hear it. <laughs> All right, so uh, I was back in the day, I was uh, visiting my ex-girlfriend in, in Baltimore, and we went out to dinner, and she was texting Roy, because they were just friends at the time, and she was texting, like, she had some drinks, texting him some, like, wild shit, like, some funny, like, aggressive whatever, and Roy, like, texted me, she's like, is she alright? Like, is she, like, and she's drunk, like, she's having fun, like, trying to, like, mess with him, and I was like, actually, no, like, her phone, she she left her phone at the restaurant, we, we went back and can't find it, like, are you talking to somebody on your phone? And he was like, nah, stop messing with me. I was like, and I'm known for messing with Roy a bunch. He didn't believe me at first. I was like, no, bro. Like, I called him. I was like, dude, like, we lost our phone. Like, we really need you to, like, text this person and be like, please return this phone. Like, she just got it. It's really important. And, like, he started believing me. So then he starts texting this person. And we're at her apartment, uh, her friend's apartment at this time, hanging out with a bunch of her friends. And... Roy calls the phone and uh, my ex's friend, like one of the dudes picks up and starts like, he's like, hello. And like, starts like this, like crazy dude's voice. And he's like, 
uh roy's like shook at this point it's like on speaker like <laughs> and like we're try- trying not to die laugh so he's like can you please return my friend's phone and he was like nah like i'm returning shit and like this goes on for whatever and all of a sudden like after like 15 minutes of roy like ca- he calls me he's like dude i can't i can't get him to give that phone back so then he calls him back and the friend like puts on like a radio voice and he's like you've just been like punked on da-na-na, like 98.3 fm and roy's like oh i knew it like i couldn't be real it, it wasn't real bro <laughs> we're dying laughing he, he, we, he thinks he's on radio station he <laughs> thinks this is like the best thing ever <laughs> I had, I didn't see him for another like three months, and I completely forgot about this. And he comes up to me like we're chilling, and like he's like, "Yo, like you have the you have the radio edit," and I was like, "Dog, like there was no radio." He's like, "Bro, we didn't put me on the radio." He had told all of his pe- like coworkers, all of his friends, like, "Yo, I'm about to be on the radio. Like you're gonna hear me." Like <laughs> literally, long term, thought he like told his people, and like he had to tell them, "No, I'm, I actually wasn't on the radio." So that's definitely, definitely my greatest <laughs> prank. It's just such a long haul. Man, that's amazing. Shame on Roy. Austin, do you do you have a prank? <laughs> no, I don't have any good ones. Looking back in retrospect, they were pretty stupid, and I wish I hadn't done them. I went for the long con, but didn't see the reward that loaded. I hit, <laughs> I hit some Hold eggs around brain. the school, but uh, ultimately, I never would have found out what happened with them. So. Like in the oh ceiling tiles. Was it the last day of school? It was. It was like. Uh, was it the last day of school? It was school? a couple weeks before the end. They did, apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently, if the eggs are in the shell, they don't start smelling for like an extraordinarily long amount of time. Like if 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 you hard boil them or something or cook them, did they you hard boil. No, them? I didn't. They were just <laughs> just sitting there. So it was just like fresh <laughs> eggs out of the other refrigerator. I took them again. Why I didn't want to mention it. I was uh, young and inexperienced. It was a chicken living here. (laughs) That's the ultimate long game. (laughs) You planted a chicken (laughs) for you. Oh, man. All right. So now that we got that out of the way. uh, Yeah. So Loki. Um, I chose the Loki from just Marvel comics in general, not from the movies, because he just kind of soft in the movies. <laughs> he always gets thwarted and pretty easily. Like there's a clip where Hulk is just I think it's the first Avengers where Hulk just grabs him, just smashes him around. Like he he was not a good villain. Uh I do like how what they did with the character, like he how he became kind of good, but he's still mischievous, you know what I'm saying? Like he he's he's a not a villain, but like an anti-hero, I think they call it. I like what they did with them, but again, super weak. Um, so I went with the Marvel Comics one, found a list of his powers, and my God, I don't know what you're going to do against Loki. Loki can do just about anything he wants. His powers include clairvoyance, telepathy, telekinesis, and obviously from the movies, uh, I actually watched Thor Ragnarok yesterday and I saw some of this in action. Loki's really good at like mind manipulation and creating illusions. He can create any illusion he wants. He in Ragnarok, he made himself appear like Odin and was running the entire city of Asgard or entire, I guess, world of Asgard as Odin until Thor showed up and like knowing how Loki is and knowing that that's not his dad uh, called him out on it. But 
I can't imagine that Anubis has that has that familiarity with Loki to be able to to kind of figure out what's an illusion and what's not. So I think Loki's going to be using that a lot. He's going to probably make be making a bunch of different Lokis running around, and, and Anubis is not going to know how to guard him. Uh, he has enhanced senses. He has spatial manipulation. He can create portals, so he can kind of teleport. Um, he he really is overpowered, and I don't know what the god of death is going to do You because he better not be killing Loki on the court. That's got to be at least a technical foul. And I... Uh, yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> I don't even know where else to go with this. I think this is going to be hands down a beatdown. I think his clairvoyance is going to let him predict Anubis' moves, his telepathy. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to ask, what is a, what is clairvoyance? Being able to see the future. <laughs> and then tel- telepathy is being able to read people's minds. Telekinesis being able to use your mind to move objects. I don't know if we should do this kind of matchup ever again. This is insane. These gods are just I don't incredible. Know, like, how what, how is he scoring though? Like I don't. We'll save that. We'll save that for later. That's one of my questions. Or unless you want to address no, it. No, we can. No, we can address it now. Like I say, he's going to be using illusions to um, like make Anubis lead lean one way or another. He's, it's like the ultimate crossover when he has multiple Lokis running around. Anubis doesn't know who is who. Who is the real Loki? He's going to go for the wrong one. Loki will get an easy double, uh, easy double dribble, easy dribble into the lane and. In a layup. He also has really enhanced senses and superhuman strength, godly strength. Uh, I think he's going to be shooting long balls. He's going to be doing it all. Uh, like I said, I don't think he's not going to be good at anything. He is a god, and rightfully so. There's a reason he's a god, and he's going to destroy Anubis. I don't know what Anubis's powers can be that'll thwart what Loki can do. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I want to hear what Austin has for Anubis because. As far as I could see, Anubis stands no shot. Well, I wanted to poke a couple holes in your argument to start with before I forget that. Poke away. Now, I also, I actually wanted to poke one hole before we start, just as a judge's sake. If you put multiples of yourself and try to trick them, and you pass the ball to one of your multiples, you're passing the ball to yourself. No, so no, you're, you're not passing the ball. Traveling. I'm just saying, like, he's going to make illusions. There's going to be multiple Lokis dribbling the ball, and Nuba's not going to know which one is the real Loki. So how is he going to guard multiple Lokis? There's no ball passing there. They're just dribbling. I understand yeah, what you're yeah. saying. I understand yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not traveling. Well, well f- first off... Um, according to my notes, Anubis also has that power. So I don't think that's really going to be an advantage. Which power? Um, illusions. All right. Illusions, the power of illusions, uh, according to my notes. And again, there's much less pop culture references here. So, uh, I'm going with the doctor who version, uh, which was the only reference to oh. Anubis I could find in pop culture. Um, he can create solid illusions. Okay. <laughs> also, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about 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 Loki. Now, is Loki a god or is he a giant? Because he seems like he's a giant. His father was a giant. His his dad isn't really Odin. That's his adopted father, and his and Thor's is adopted abilities. brother. Oh, he's bestowed. Oh, yeah. oh, um, okay. Well, I had a punchline I, I was going to go for, so I'm going to stick that one god. first. Since when is a giant six foot four? He's a runt. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why he didn't inherit better genetics. I mean, I told you he's weighs 525 pounds, so maybe his six four height is just an illusion. <laughs> maybe he's actually bigger. Who knows? Do you know that his father actually discarded him because he was so small? 
The giant or Odin? Oh, <laughs> shit. Shots fired. The giant father discarded oh, yeah. him because he was too then, small. Well, Odin showed up and, and saw the potential, picked him up, and look at look at where he's at now. He's almost king of Asgard. And, and Judge, I just want to make this really clear because I don't think I have anything I can bring into this battle. I'm not aware of anything. I know Anubis has a staff. I'm unclear of its use. Could be wrong here, but doesn't Loki get most of his abilities from the Tesseract or this, the different uh, other objects that he has? No, no. no? It, just enhan- okay. it just enhances his powers, but I don't think it, it Oh, it enhances... Yeah, but it I'm not using it. So I'm, I didn't bring the staff. But. You're not using. Okay, okay. I just wanted to check. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, well, just want to make sure. Why don't Why We're don't good. we hear more about Anubis? Don't you worry. I was gonna get there. I I have a bad memory. I like to try to make the points while they're salient in my mind. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So Anubis, aka the God of Death. Um, I don't know his nickname, so I'm going with that. I uh, I don't have a height and weight like Loro did. But Probably newbie. Newbie, I like Probably that. Newbie, we'll call him newbie. Got it. That, that might be disrespectful though. I don't want to disrespect court, they, the you know, Earl the Pearl. Death. They they call they call him newbie the Ruby. Ooh, it's not Earl the Pearl. That's a good one. That's a good one because we're gonna hear about that in a second. Newbie the Ruby. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna hear about that newbie oh. the Ruby in a second. So. What I have though is that he can take more than one form, but in general. He is taller and lanky. Uh, It says his height is variable, but often tall. His weight is variable, but often average. So, Judge, I'm thinking he's about Giannis's size. You know, the what? uh, (laughs) Go with uh, our god theme, Greek, Greek god. Right? That sounds about right. He's Egyptian god. Okay, we're gonna make him a seven foot. (laughs) Okay. You said average in I'm height, opposed. and now he's going to be. <laughs> no, he said no, no, he said average tall. They said tall in height. Oh, some bullshit, dude. We can't be just making. You know, shit maybe up. we can discount my. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know how to fucking balance this out. Maybe like early career Giannis, a little skinnier still, so he's more what, average. What was that Greek average guard weight? that came into the league a couple years ago and then left? Theodosis, he was on the clip, the Clippers. Let's choose him. How about him? I'm cool with him. <laughs> Your guy's 552 pounds, man. Yeah, Come on. But, but I, I got proof. Yeah, I'm not making I'm not pulling these numbers out of nowhere, dog. Uh I'm I'm gonna go with he's six seven. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> at least right, make him the it. same height. At least make him the same height. That's some bullshit. <laughs> no, I feel like Anubis is definitely bigger oh than my God. <laughs> He's a dog, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's you know I'm gonna start doing I'm gonna go back <laughs> and forth start translating some. No, he's a jackal, a jackal. Anubis right. is typically seen with a jackal head, and like Adam mentioned, a jackal is a type of dog. I think that'll be directly translatable to the basketball court. We know how uh, you know wild dogs can be. They uh, tend to be aggressive. Uh, they're in your face. They're uh, persistent. They, you know, normally they hunt in packs. They take out animals much, much bigger than them. They have the ability, and in this case, uh, you know, Loki's 552 pounds. This might be similar to some wild African dogs taking out a rhinoceros. You know, that same type yeah, of mentality. It's very beneficial. He ain't got a pack with him. 
It's just okay. I, I I'm aware of that. I was, but he contributes to that, so he's used to facing bigger. Okay, he works great folks. in the team environment. That's great to hear. Now let's hear how he's going to beat Loki in a one v one. I don't really appreciate your disparaging comments. I'm talking about his ability and comfortability acting around people that are bigger than him. That's all. When he's with a bunch of his buddies. To, to continue with this physicality argument, um, you know, Anubis's father is Set, uh, the Egyptian god of deserts, uh, I believe the sun, and uh, several other things as well. That's one of the things I really appreciate about Egyptian mythology is they're not afraid to give someone more than one thing to be responsible for. You know, they're, they're a true believer uh, in versatility, uh, which is also very relevant to the basketball court. And multitasking. <laughs> is uh, Set has an aura that he can infect his son with, um, and it changes his appearance drastically. Now, it makes him turn uh, red, which is pretty cool, um, like fluorescent red. Uh, It gives him veins of ruby and skin of obsidian. And all I know is I don't think anybody likes bumping up against hard rock I think Loki's going to want to shy away from contact in this matchup as a result. I'm going to give the physicality. I, th- I think that will be uh, to Anubis's advantage, even with the weight. And, you know, a couple bumps up against some obsidian, he's going to have bruises all over him. It's definitely not going to be a pleasant experience, even if he has uh, a weight advantage on him. After that, what else do we have? Anubis's defense, right? Uh, I think he's going to be a very strong defensive player. You know, uh, being six foot seven, uh, going up against a six foot four player should give him a definite advantage. (laughs) (laughs) This is some bullshit. All right, go ahead, Oz. I'm sorry for interrupting, but that is some bullshit. It should definitely give him an advantage in blocking. I believe it because it makes you so upset. That's so funny. (laughs) That's why I said it. You can't use it as a point against me. You guys are making up this guy's height. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, we did. But I'll I'll take it as is. You know, not every taller player wins. That's true. I forgot what I was going to say now because I was so focused on getting you with that. You, oh, you were having a three. You were talking about the three, three inch, inch difference. <laughs> yeah, having a three inch, <laughs> a three inch difference uh, with the athleticism, godlike athleticism that Anubis has. Um, apparently, his uh, most predominant uh, characteristic uh, as a god, um, his most uh, ability furthest above anybody else, was his stamina. He's had uh, several fights that went on for multiple days without him tiring. Uh, He was able to uh, ultimately, you know, he did lose some of them, but he was very competitive in all of them. He definitely won some of them. I don't have the details, folks. I'm sorry. You're going to have to go look these up. This is out of my realm of expertise. (laughs) But. (laughs) Don't have the details. You guys look it up. All right. That's that's great in a debate. Just trust him on it. Just trust him on it. I mean, he's a god, right? We're talking about gods here. So it, you know, it's hard we to are. compare to humans or giants like Loki, who are six foot four only. Anyways, also, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with his godlike powers. I guess let me let me try to make focus in on what his responsibilities are. So Loki's known as the guardian of death. He 
is responsible for making making sure that people go to their proper place after they die, whether it be heaven or hell. And I'm sure there's quite a few people that really fight him on which way they should go. And he's able to successfully make sure that each person goes their proper way. Uh, he's very good at decision-making, right? He needs to be able to know uh, what moves he can use to get around Loki, where he should be shooting the ball from, knowing his strengths and weaknesses as a result of this, uh, probably, I would argue, the most important decision-making aspect of all human constructs that exist. Anybody going to challenge me on that? Because I think that's a pretty good one. Anyways, one of the other things that Anubis is doing... about the pyramids, I'm with it. Yeah, yeah, okay, I like that. One of the other things with Anubis is he's also responsible for creating mummification. And when you think about defense and mummification, those two things clearly go hand in hand. He knows how to tie someone up. I'm thinking several jump balls ultimately resulting in a couple turnovers as a result of that. You know, the man knows how to embalm someone, really case them up. And I think that's going to give him quite a few problems. Now on offense, this is where Anubis should shine. I know Lauro said he had telekinesis. Anubis apparently has that as well, too. Uh, I don't know if it's to the same level. I know I have seen Loki's telekinesis, and it's quite quite strong. You know, Anubis is a god. Uh, I would think his is comparable. It's tough to say. So from an offensive lens, I, I think really you're going to be looking at a, a player that relies on his physicality to get most of his baskets. He's going to be relying on his godlike strength, his godlike speed, his godlike stamina to continue, and his obsidian skin to really keep Loki away from him. He's going to be you know, reaching out with his length advantage uh, towards the basket. I think he's obviously very athletic. He's going to be trying to get some of these dunks. Uh, I think he's a solid shooter. Uh, I had a, a, his father was uh, the god of, of sun, right? Like of the sun. He makes a rise every day. He clearly knows how arcs are supposed to be. That's something that's in the bloodlines. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be a strength. I don't think he's going to take a million of them, though. He's not, he's not his father, but he has, he has some of his you know, internal na- native skills to him. I think that the final score is probably going to be 21-17, mainly because I have no idea what Laura is going to come back with to all the arguments I just made, and I want to be a little conservative. But I might change it to a blowout for after. <laughs> all right, well... I think that's a bunch of baloney uh, or balarky. <laughs> and balarky. so first off, I think I think Loki's going to play a completely different style than Anubis. You said he's going to be playing physical using his obsidian skin and his stature to kind of physically impose on Loki. I think Loki's going to be using his his speed, his agility. He's kind of lanky and he's not known to really get his hands dirty, right? He's always kind of resorting to trickery or getting others to do his bidding. So he's not going to be getting in there in the paint, getting down and dirty with uh, Anubis. He's going to be kind of more on the perimeter, trying to get by him. He's going to be shooting um, from the three-point line. I think he's going to be shooting a lot, and he's going to be good at it because he's got that telekinesis, and he's got enhanced senses and enhanced strength. And I think he's going to rely a lot on his uh, using his illusions um, and just relying on trickery to get by Anubis, using the uh, multiple Lokis, using all kinds of illusions. Um, we've seen him go against another god and a very powerful god in Thor. In in Avengers and in Ragnarok, he has fooled Thor. He can actually go translucent, which is, or, or I don't know if translucent is the word, but he can 
people can go through him, like, and he can go through things. It's like a ghost. Yeah. So he can use that to get through Anubis, and he used it on Thor, so we know he can use it on other all-powerful beings. And then lastly, I think because he is not born into that family, I don't know what their last name is. (laughs) The Asgardians. (laughs) The Asgardian family. He wasn't born as an Asgardian. He wasn't born a god. He has that chip on his shoulder. He's always been under under Thor's shadow. He's always wanted to to be the top dog. And he is going to have that chip on his shoulder, his, that intensity, that passion to win this game. And I, yeah, I think he's going to use his speed and his shooting and all those powers that I mentioned to to uh, overcome Anubis. I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it 21, 14, 13. I don't think Anubis really got much. As long as Loki tries to kind of avoid too much physicality, I think he'll have it in the bag. Uh, I didn't get player comps from either oh. of you. So we'll start with, with low. What, what player comp we got? I'm glad you asked. I was having a little bit of trouble. I was looking for someone that uses speed, like is a, sh- a good shooter. Um, it's also a little mischievous. You know, I, l- I like a little mischief in my player if I'm comparing him to Loki. Um, I've already used Lance Stevenson, so I can't use that again. <laughs> and he's also not much of a shooter. Um, but I found, I found someone that actually I think fits perfectly. He's not known for being smart. I guess making smart plays, which is not really great for my argument but i thought it so he's devious other ways he he embodied loki perfectly because there's been many times many a time when he would untie people's shoes at the free throw line um do you guys know who it is i'm going jr smith ah okay (laughs) yeah jr smith is my player comp for loki he's he's got a little bit of mischief in there he's he messes with other players he unties their shoes there's multiple like videos of him just t- untying people's shoes at the free throw line, and it's always hilarious. He's kind of goofy, but he relies a lot on his shooting and his, and his speed, and I think that's that's uh, what Loki's going to be doing. All right, a lot of crazy shots come out from Loki. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. And Austin, what, what about your player comp? Well, because we're dealing with gods, and I've already brought up Giannis, who was kind of who I was thinking and hoping to go for. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do, though, is take a player I think he'll play like on offense and a player I think he'll play like on defense. You said 6'7". Both of the guys I chose are in the 6'7 to 6'9 range, so I think I'm pretty close here. I'm going to go with a tough, rigid player you don't like bumping up against on offense who is good at shooting as well in New York Knicks' finest player, Julius Randle. On defense, oh, on defense, pulling out all the big guns today, dude. Oh my god! On defense, this is unbelievable. On defense, I, you know, again, this is one of those things. I really believe that the the god's characteristics, his amazing speed, his amazing uh, agility, his ability to play forever and ever, not get tired. Really going to be able to bump. Has a good wingspan. We saw he's wiry. Also low real quick. When you said uh, your guy was 552 pounds and then proceeded to describe him as lanky, that gave me a little chuckle. I just thought it was funny. I'm not criticizing. I just thought it was really funny. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I don't know where that It's true. It is true. He's like made out of stardust or something. Solid. Super solid. Dense. Dense. I'm going with Dennis Rodman for the defensive comparison. I just think his arms are going to be everywhere. He's limitless in his... (laughs) Offense and defense. 
You said one for offense, one for defense. <laughs> oh my god! We got uh, all right, all right. If you made me choose one, if you made me choose one, I would go with Julius Randle. He has proven he can defend within a system pretty well. Again, the reputation before these past couple of years hasn't been up to that level, but he definitely has the strength. Uh, in a lot of places, you don't want to be bumping up against him in the post or even on the perimeter because so, he can so move. Can I? Let me get this straight. So you're choosing this year's most improved player and the best player on Adam's team as your offensive player comp, and then one of the toughest defensive big men ever as your defensive player comp. That's what you're doing? See, this is <laughs> the thing, that is exactly what he's Normally, doing. I wouldn't ever stoop to these levels, but when we're talking about gods, I don't see how I could do anything less. Because I know J.R. Smith, he may be the Henny God, but... I mean, other than that, <laughs> I mean, I think he's going to also be known as the, the the god of bonehead moves, right? I, I mean, his his player IQ isn't there. That's the only thing. Like, Loki's pretty smart. I'm not sure about J.R. Smith. There's no shot clocks <laughs> in one-on-one. We're good. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. He's going to dribble all well, day. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but I do like the idea. Like, I mean, they are gods. They're they're good, man. They're they're supposed to be real good at anything. So good I'm not I'm not saying that's a crazy good argument two to make. Incredible players, apparently. <laughs> Damn, I, yeah. I Is I that... wish I had chosen more players. I I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, this is the first time we've actually had two player comps in one player, but as a god in in God's realm, I'll allow it. Uh, anything else before I ask some questions? More questions? He didn't ask oh, any yet. Yeah, I feel like I've been talking forever. All right, go ahead. No, I got nothing. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. How is Loki going to deal with Anubis's length? The... <laughs> Uh, man, I, I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't know that Loki was going to be three inches shorter out of nowhere. So um, I, I think he's just going to be using his speed to get by him or his three-point shot. I don't think Anubis, his obsidian skin is going to weigh him down. I don't think he's going to be quick enough to stay up on Loki. Um, so I think okay. that's how he's going to get by him. And uh, can Loki jump high? Yeah, he's is super he dunking or is it layups? Yeah, I mean, if he gets up there, he... So but but he... I. I don't think he's going to be dunking a lot. He just doesn't seem like Loki doesn't seem like the kind of guy to like try to physically impose his will on the on the rim. He's probably going to be just laying it up, you know, preserving preserving his strength and his speed, and stamina. Okay. Uh, and Austin, uh, out of ten shots Anubis takes, how many are twos? Well, Adam, that's a great question. Out of ten shots, I think he's about a twenty percent. Uh, you know, uh, type of uh, shot profile from threes. It, it, out of his 100 shots, I think 20 of them come from long distance, right? Uh, he, you know, he he's very used to uh, being familiar with people that are, you know, far away from him. Uh, all of the souls that he's touched throughout all of the years, I think he's very aware uh, of his strengths and weaknesses, uh, of how to uh, incorporate uh, everybody's uh, lifelong experiences when they come and tell him stories uh, at the gate of death of, of the best way to play sports. Uh, and to win basketball games, you need to take long-distance shots. And that was probably the worst comparison I could have ever made in my entire life. So, so you're telling me Anubis is going to be taking notes from all the dead basketball players as they pass through the door? <laughs> yeah, so he could bring the souls with yeah, him, but I didn't... 
I didn't want to bring the Tesseract into this. You might have so, Wilt as a coach. That's true. You might have, have everyone as a coach. He he's met literally everybody. All right, all right, all right. It's true. He's true. He has experience of meeting. That's just a good point. Um, all right, I think I made my decision. This game is going to be the longest game we've ever had in the history of this podcast. This is going to be a dogfight. I think Loki gets out to a very big early lead, oh, like no. ten to two, <laughs> like oh, ten no. to two. <laughs> <laughs> and Anubis is like doesn't really care. Like he has bigger. Th- he's got a death. Like he's playing the game. And then Loki says some shit, shit talking that Anubis is like, you crossed the line, my friend. And like, then goes on a rampage, comes back. It's like 15 to 13 Anubis. And then it's back and forth from there. I think the game ends 50 to 52. (laughs) Anubis wins. (laughs) This is wild, dude. Yo, Anubis wins fifty to fifty-two. The the toughness, the toughness. I don't think the tricks will work as well. I don't think the tricks will work as well on Anubis, just because he is like he's death already, right? Like, there's nothing on this earth that like he hasn't like really experienced because like he's done that, right? You know? so, so like, why would he the, the telekinesis? Get, why would he get ruffled up by Logi talking some shit? Nothing that Austin said made made him sound like he's a vengeful like god. So now all of a sudden, this guy is gonna be like, "Oh my god, this guy's talked shit about my mom." I'm gonna go you're after not, this dude. Not. And, and yeah, you don't. And that's universal. That's universal. You talk. You talk stuff about someone's lead. mom. They're gonna come at you no matter what. Dude, you guys are just. You guys. This is collusion. You were talking about collusion earlier. This is some bullshit collusion, dude. It, yo. You chose an Egyptian uh, uh, Egyptian god. You chose a New York Nick as the player comp. This is some bullshit. <laughs> I I can't believe it. Oh I also I hate god. when I take an early lead, man. That shit drives me crazy because I know I'm leaving <laughs> after that. <laughs> no early lead stays intact it's, in this podcast. It's absurd. <laughs> oh man, you know there's adaptability. I think there's got to be a certain. S- type of evil if you're the god of death like there's not really any benevolence to death there's just like more i need your soul kind of thing so like maybe austin didn't say it but when he said he's the god of death like to me in my mind gods of death aren't very nice so like there could be a line across like yeah like of course you had a chance of course you had a chance it the game ended 50 to 52 this is the closest game it's ever been (laughs) You like this is not a blowout by any means. Like he, Loki almost had him like multiple times. The bell has tolled. Midnight has struck. Cinderella has come through with the upset. Let's go. I think I think both underdogs this episode managed to eke it out. But yeah, that wraps it up for this one. Uh, our first episode. Uh, first episode. First episode was a few months ago. Uh, our first matchup was Patrick Ewing against Joel Embiid and we called it Patrick Ewing 21-18. Our second matchup we got some outer beings some deities. Anubis against Loki. This one like I said, longest game we've ever going to see probably in, in our in our podcast history. Anubis taking it 50-52. to 52. We want to know what you guys think and we have an Instagram and Twitter for that to happen. 
And if you want that to happen, please follow mono underscore y underscore mono underscore podcast on Instagram and or either one Twitter. We have mono e mono two the number two. And I I know Loro feels like he got cheated out of the second matchup. Austin got cheated out of the first matchup. Let's see if we have some support on their cheated feelings. I personally think everything went according to plan. And <laughs> for my side, at least, there's no plan on the second side. Just throwing that out there. So, <laughs> and that wraps it up. Thank you guys so much for listening to another one. Hopefully, we won't be on another hiatus. These these schedules are getting pretty crazy. I'm moving. Uh, Laura's going to Boston, so we'll keep you updated as we know. But we're planning on next week. Let's hope we we have one yeah, out. And for one you. last one last thing. If you guys see me in Boston, you know what I look like. Hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Holla at your boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. It was a pleasure as always. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace. Peace.